0: Hello again. This is Pastor Ed Collins with North Christian Church. I'd like to welcome you to Part 70 of "The Lord Is Our Confidence." Uh, let's open up with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this privilege of studying your Word. Thank you for truth that sets us free, Father, and thank you for revealing this truth to us in time. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, your love. Father, we're unworthy, but you just pour out grace and abundance into our lives. And for this, we're so very grateful, Father. We pray for those in our congregation, Father, that are ill and um, struggling uh, and and really just need your comfort, Father. We just pray that um, you reveal your comfort to them and that maybe in some small way this message Um, gives them comfort uh, as well, some encouragement. Um, We also ask that you heal them, Father, uh, and let them know that we're with them in spirit always. We pray also, Father, for those that are still lost in this world, that their great wound be healed, that they be humbled um, and receive saving faith, Father, before it's too late. We are most grateful and thankful, of course, for your son's work to make a time like this even a time to rejoice. Um, We do just pray also for this message that it be edifying for our souls. And we ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Again, The Lord is Our Confidence, Part 70. I'd like to begin by sharing an email I received from someone in our congregation uh, a few days ago. It reads, uh, Good morning, Pastor. I hope that you and Tammy are doing well. I just want to thank you for the messages that you are doing while we are in, quote, quarantine. We appreciate it so very much. And, of course... Also for the blogs that have come our way. During all these changes, I really have come to appreciate the face-to-face teaching. And it's only been one week. We really do become familiar with it, don't we? And You were just teaching on this, and who knew that we would be tested so soon? Obviously, I know who knew. And that's why he had you teach it. I don't know how people don't who don't have the face-to-face do it sitting in front of the computer and listening that way. Um, we become familiar so quickly, and we see just how quickly it can be taken away. I so miss the face-to-face, and I miss the fellowship with my church family and with all the lovely ladies uh, that I have come to know and love. We really do appreciate all your diligence in putting these lessons together and teaching to a microphone. I would imagine that it can't be very easy doing that. So thank you so much for all you do. Can't wait to get back and see you and everyone else in his grace and parent. Uh, Hope you're encouraged by that. All I can say is that I miss you too, each one of you, sort of like a father misses his own children. Um, So Without being all dramatic, um, I'd like to echo something Paul wrote to the church at Colossae, especially since we've been separated by things outside of our control. As the recent blog titled, When the Going Gets Tough stated, all of this is ordained by God himself. We have to remember that, and that's been the encouragement. Uh, That's been a common thread if you've been uh, following along in the messages and the blogs, um, that God ordains everything. And we have to always remember that, and that should give us comfort. So even though we miss each other, it doesn't mean that any of us ought to be uh, angry with God about it, let's say. Um, As I've been telling folks who have written to me or who I've spoken with, you know, now is the time to step back Uh, Take a deep breath and examine why. Why God has ordained this time of isolation in your life. Uh, God never makes mistakes. We have to remember that. He's always in control. And so we have to step back. Now is the time. Most of us are on our heels. Most of us are sort of a little more stagnant, let's say, than normal. Uh, And the Spirit really wants us, this is His encouragement, through this ministry to ask and examine um, why God has ordained this time this type of isolation in your life. Remember, global events have very personal effects uh, when all is said and done. And so God knows each and everything that has transpired since this coronavirus pandemic has hit the streets. And that includes every thought, uh, every action, Every bit of sanctification that has occurred in your personal life. God knows all of it. He ordained it before time even began, right? Um, for for mankind, was well beyond uh, before the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, every thought, every action, every bit of sanctification that has occurred in your personal life, God knew of it and he ordained it. I think it's easy to focus on the global effects of things and forget about how God works in each of us as individuals. So with those friendly reminders out of the way, I want to read a passage, or the passage I alluded to earlier, where Paul expressed his heart to the church at Colossae. Go to uh, Colossians 2, verse 1 in your Bibles. Colossians 2, verse 1, and it, it almost reads as if Uh, I'd be reading uh, something to you all uh, now. Colossians 2, verse 1. I just want to borrow from Paul, borrow from his sentiments, um, and just drive some of this home for you. Again, Colossians 2, verse 1. He says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I love that. Uh, In Christ, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We're going to talk about the pursuit of of him a little bit more uh, to continue uh, last messages theme verse four i say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments in other words don't get distracted my friends my dear friends right uh i say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments for though i am absent in body yet i am with you in spirit uh, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Uh, that's our calling, right? That's what we've been called out to do. Now's the time to follow this sound advice. Again, verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted in And built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Uh, I would be willing to bet that the percentage of thanksgiving uh, the last few weeks has gone down. Uh, Most likely, I'm not judging, but if I were a betting man, I'd say it's gone down appreciably over the last few weeks uh, as people will continue to moan and groan about certain liberties being taken away. But look what Paul says, therefore, in verse six again, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Do you remember that Christ, what Christ said? He said, the foxes have holes, the birds have nests. I don't even have a a, a home. I don't have a place to lay my head. Um, And he didn't complain. Uh, He said his food was to do the will of him who sent him. That was his sustenance. Um, What about us? That was his walk. And what does Paul say? So walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in, here we go, thanksgiving. How about being grateful? If I'm talking to you, chances are you're not starving to death. Chances are you have more of a home than Jesus even said he had. Don't you have a, I mean, you've got a pastor that loves you, who, who's who's feeding you. Uh, regularly, regardless of what's going on, aren't there a lot of things to be thankful for? I think so. Um, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now here's uh, another another pivot uh, that we're going to focus on uh, in this message, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive. See to it that no one takes you captive. In other words, you don't end up on the one in shackles, you don't end up being um, the one someone else is victorious over, right? Uh, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, in other words, lies, according to human tradition, uh, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. We are called in verse 6 to walk in him, not allow others to take us captive. Uh, it's amazing that the Holy Spirit inspired such sentiments to be recorded in the completed canon of Scripture a couple of thousand years ago, isn't it? And, and yet it's uh, perfectly applicable to our situation today. As Solomon would say, right, Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9, What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. I'll give you a little help on that. There is nothing new under the sun. You know, today it's this crisis, if you want to call it that. Uh, tomorrow it's yet another, and, and so on. The only constant in life is change. However, with Christ the rock, our minds don't have to waver. Our hearts may remain steady. Our peace unshakable. All of these things, all of these God-given things, uh, all of these things are God-given rights as saints in Christ. Again, there is nothing new under the sun. Today it's, you know, it's this crisis. Okay, so today it's the coronavirus. What next, right? Uh, Wait a few years, right? It'll be something new. Um, So today it's this crisis, tomorrow it's another, and so on. The only constant in life is change, however, with Christ. Uh, The rock, our minds don't have to waver, our hearts may remain steady, our peace unshakable. All of these things are God-given rights as saints in Christ. This is great perspective um, for all of you to chew on. This is the kind of perspective that sets us free. I know from personal experience that it's easier to be sidetracked and, you know, taken captive for a time by the worries and distractions of this world it's just too easy there's just too much to distract us uh in this world especially in america where there's just a you know a a thousand and one different things uh, vying for our time distracting us whether it's our smartphone or now it's like basically we have a computer on our wrists with these smart watches even that really just tether us to um things that we don't need to be tethered to, frankly. Um, But it's easy, nonetheless, to be sidetracked and taken captive for a time to the worries and distractions of this world. Uh, Let's read a little more encouragement from Paul, though, this time to the church at Corinth, which, as I've mentioned in the past, my personal opinion, uh, Corinth reminds me the most of America today with all the trappings of uh, wealth and, and let's call it ingenuity. Go to 2 Corinthians 10, the verse three. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3. Again, we're just trying to gain perspective uh, so that we're not taken captive um, the way we often are, that we that we're not falling prey to uh, you know certain types of hysteria, uh, certain things that the media calls, you know, these major... And I'm not, I'm not belittling the fact that people have died uh, from this or that um, disease. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but we have to maintain our perspective. And even in the face of death, we shouldn't be taken captive uh, to the kinds of, of thinking that the world pivots on. Again, 2 Corinthians ten three 3. For, no, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought cap- captive to obey Christ. Right? Take every thought captive. So in other words, we're the victors. You see the difference? Uh, we read previously that some someone or something else takes us captive. And that's the warning. We're encouraged. Uh, to take every thought captive ourselves. So that's the thought we ought to carry with us throughout our days. Uh, Take every thought captive uh, to obey Christ. I'll give you a McDonald on 2 Corinthians 10, 5, this phrase. Uh, He says, All men's teachings and speculations must be judged in the light of the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul would not condemn human reasoning as such, but would warn that we must not allow our intellects to be exercised in defiance of the Lord and in disobedience to him. Let me read that again. Again, take every captive or every thought captive uh, in Christ. All men's teachings and speculations must be judged in the light of the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, that's our lens. Right? That's what, that's what gives us real power over um, things that might otherwise take us captive. In other words, seeing it all as truth. Yes, maybe we are going through a pandemic. Yes, but is that a reason to panic? It's one thing to have concern. It's a whole other thing to have panic or take part in some kind of hysteria. Right? Especially when God's got everything under control. So all men's teachings and speculations must be judged in the light of the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul would not condemn human reasoning as such, but would warn us or would warn that we must not allow our intellects to be exercised in defiance of the Lord and in disobedience to him. And I love what MacDonald, his summary, because it really captures the essence of this passage. Again, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And take every thought captive to obey Christ. So concentrate for a second. Um, recall many years ago now, from behind this pulpit, I taught that the the real war waging in our land is for your soul. Uh, it's not uh, any war that we could point to, uh, you know, in a military sense. Or, you know, the war against drugs as, uh, you know, uh, I forget who said that, but... Uh, one of the presidents, the war against drugs, or one of the first ladies, or, um, you know, uh, the, even the war against uh, a disease. You know, the real war that's waging is for your soul. Ground zero, as I mentioned, uh, I think it was years ago now, but ground zero is you. That's the battleground. While Christ has already proven himself victor in, in the war, And we believers as his co-victors through him, the Bible teaches us that we still must overcome the skirmishes and, you know, the battles that wage in time. Our enemies are still alive and kicking, and they unrelentingly attack us. They distract us. They try to make us falter. I was thinking about it, as, you know, as the old saying goes, right, to the victor goes the spoils. Well... If ground zero is your soul, your peace, your contentment, etc., then the battle must be won by us taking captive errant perspective, lies, etc. Let me say that again. If ground zero is your soul, your peace, your contentment, all the blessings, right, uh, that are God given gifts, then the battle must be won by us taking captive errant perspective lies, cetera, instead of the other way around, lest we surrender to the pressure of our enemies and be led away in shackles. May it never be. Listen, seriously, listen to me now. With with the light of truth in our hearts and our minds, we are able to win each and every battle. And uh, as the Bible teaches us, nothing is more powerful than Truth. Nothing is more powerful than the truth. and that's how we win battles. It's with the truth. That's why we're told in Ephesians 6 to put on the armor of God, right? This is how we uh, this is how we go to battle even. And just think about it this way. I love the analogy that the Bible uses with light and darkness. Darkness is totally helpless against the light. And think about this physically even. You know, say you're in a dark room. Darkness is totally helpless against the light. It's not the other way around. When uh, let me ask you this: When have you ever shined a flashlight into darkness, and the darkness said, "No, I refuse to be lit up"? When does that ever happen? Never, right? Light always wins. That's the point, and that's why uh, the analogy in the Bible between light and darkness is so beautiful and perfect. Because light always wins. Darkness can never say no to light. And, and that's how we are to perceive the truth, my friends, right? We're, we're, we learn it and we we shine it into our own lives and we we let it pour out of us into the darkness, into uh, the things that are keeping us in darkness, the, the lies, the the errant thinking, the uh, off-putting perspective. Uh, we let this light pour out out of us uh, and with confidence that it will deliver us from any form of evil. Um, That's why the Bible says, you know, you don't under, you don't overcome uh, evil with evil. You come, you overcome evil with good and good is light um, and evil is darkness. And so again, darkness is totally helpless against the light. Love that analogy. It's something for us to certainly think about when this happens Uh, When light pours out of us and and we're given confidence that it will deliver us from all evil, when this happens, it is tantamount to what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 10.5. Again, he said, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. That's how we take every thought captive. It's with the light. It's with the truth. In other words, we win. That's what it means. We are the captors. Right? We're not taken captive. We win. To take every thought captive means you are the victor. Uh, And to you go the spoils of victory. And in our case, uh, these are the promises of God. Peace, contentment, etc. And this this is all McDonald was trying to say as well. The point on the board here, again, all men's teachings and speculations must be judged in the light of the teaching, teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul would not condemn human reasoning as such, but would warn that we must not allow our intellects to be exercised in defiance of the Lord and in disobedience to him. So, if we have this power given to us, by the grace of God, of course, not of ourselves, lest we boast, If we have this power given to us by the grace of God to take these things captive to us, we become the captors. We are not taken captive. If we have this power to take every thought captive, then our duty as unto the Lord is to stand up for righteousness regardless of what's going on around us. In other words, we're to walk in him, right? We saw that earlier. And walking in him means to take everything, every thought captive. Again, our duty as unto the Lord is to stand up for right righteousness, regardless of what's going on around us. Today, it's the coronavirus. I don't know. Tomorrow, it's, I don't know, it's something new, right? It's something new all the time. And I was thinking about that, too. Uh, don't people, people just love To dwell on crisis. Because it distracts them from the crisis that is inside of them. That they are wretches who reject the holy God's will to save them. Let me say that again. People love to dwell on crisis. People feed on it, right? Because it distracts them from the truth. the, The true issue in this world. The true battle that's being waged. Which is for their own soul. That they're wretches, and in their arrogance, they reject the one who's trying to make them a co-victor. That, my friends, is the truth of the matter, plain and simple. People feed on distraction for reasons they never talk about. Think of it. Think about uh, this as well. I could, you know, I could get behind my virtual pulpit. I call that what I'm doing right now. Uh, my virtual pulpit here and start, you know, giving you what I'll call band-aid solutions to whatever's been bothering you about our current so-called crisis. But I'd be doing you a disservice in a sense that I'd not be pursuing an end that sets you free for good. Rather, I'd be giving you temporary ointment for the soul. I'd be giving you temporary ointment for the soul I'd rather give you a new perspective to think about. I'd rather see you adopt a perspective that sets you free permanently, or at least has the power to accomplish such a thing. Again, I'd rather give you a new perspective, a perspective that sets you free permanently, or at least has the power to accomplish such a thing. The truth is that you have every right to stand up in the face of whatever crisis has got the world you know, all wrapped up in anxiety and say, meh, God's got everything under control. That's power. That's light. That's truth. Is that not true? Do we not know that from Holy Scripture? Of course we do. God's got everything under control. Uh, That's real power. When you know that, when you believe that, when you walk in that as a function of being a believer in Christ Jesus and God the Holy Spirit... Uh, is right there along the way, encouraging you with holy scripture, bringing things to your remembrance. All these promises, especially you know, this is uh, what Hebrews one three, that everything's under control. The Lord's got everything under control. If we just rest on that, what 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 say you of this so-called crisis? Uh, it's no longer a band-aid fix that I have to give you. It's permanent. You say, no matter what happens, it's I'm permanently delivered. Because God's not ever taking a break. God's got everything under control. He's always had everything under control. So therefore, I'm get to rest and cast all my anxieties on him because he cares for me. Now, for whatever reason, then um, I hope this isn't prevalent in, in my congregation, but here's a side note that the Spirit wanted me to bring out uh, on the coattails of what he just taught us. Um You know, when you have that attitude that God's got everything in control and you're permanently set free, um, does it mean that you run around making folks uh, without this perspective feel bad about being anxious? I mean, should I, you know, call up people, you know, share intimately, hey, you know, I'm feeling a little rough around the edges here, I'm getting a little nervous about, this or that, or, you know, should I be like, oh my God, you're so weak and pathetic. People do that, right? I wouldn't be surprised if someone here in my voice right now has done it, if not uh, verbally, uh, at least in their own heads, right? God sees it. So does it mean that you run around making folks without this freeing perspective feel bad about being anxious? Well, all I can tell you is that if you do, you just made something God did in you by grace about you, which makes the whole thing ugly. <laughs> Again, if you do that thing, uh, if you take your freedom and you 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 use it uh, as a whip or, or or some lever to to uh, you know make yourself uh, puffed up or better than other people, so to speak, uh, you just took something God gave you by grace, a grace blessing, and you made it about you which makes the whole thing ugly. Our job is to never boast in ourselves. We are to boast in the Lord. So when someone says, how are you doing it? <clears throat> how are you not worried? Give it all over to the Lord. Give all the merit and the credit to him. That's a perfect opportunity for you to evangelize someone, let's say, or just maybe even encourage a fellow believer to, to bring it to remember and say, hey, listen, remember, it's a perfect opportunity um, for whatever reason, uh, sometimes we don't. Um, have you forgotten so soon where you came from? I guess that's the question, huh? Go to 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27. I'm going to take a sip of my water here. 1 Corinthians 1, 27. 1 Corinthians 1, 27, But God chose what is... ...foolish in the world to shame the wise. Oh, that's you. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Oh, that's you. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification... And redemption, so that as it is written, you ready? Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. So, not sure who needs to hear that, but somebody did. Uh, and so, take that to heart. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. If you're set free by truth, and and you know the whatever crisis is you know hitting the streets today, uh, doesn't bother you all that much because you do understand that God's got everything under control. Hey, good for you. Use it as an opportunity. Uh, to encourage somebody else, not beat them down. Uh, okay, that's just a little side note as food for thought. Um, don't make your own deliverance and freedom about you, in other words, Take it as an opportunity to shine. We're supposed to be lights. Remember we ended last Thursday. Go to Matthew 5:14. Uh, Matthew 5:14. We ended last Thursday with this passage. Lovely passage. Something we ought to always remember, especially in times of crisis, especially in times when people are wigging out over this and that. Matthew 5.14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Verse 16, again, in the same way, let your light shine before others. Now is your time. It's your opportunity, right? So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In other words, all glory and honor go to him, right? You are what you are by the grace of God. Have you forgotten? Again, the point of the board, now's your time to shine. Instead of allowing the world to take your every thought captive to it, embrace this time to take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now's your time to shine. Instead of following suit with the lost in this world, stand firm in your faith and show others what you're made of. And don't be cocky about it. I'd rather, be confident. There's a difference. Don't be cocky. Uh, be confident. There is a difference. Isn't that the very title of our now 70-part series, The Lord is Our Confidence? Take every thought captive to obey Christ. The Lord is our confidence. Confidence is magnetic, right? It's, it's arguably one of the most attractive things about anyone on earth. The Lord is our confidence, you see, that's what makes us attractive to other people. It's not us. We don't boast in us. We say, you think I'm attractive? You think what? the fact that I can walk through this in one piece without wigging out like the rest of the crew? You know what? It's the Lord. You want to know him? Hey, let's sit down. Let's talk about it. Let's have a coffee. Now, do you think to uh, Ann Parent's opening comments here that God has had a plan for us all along? Think about this for a second. This is what I love about uh, God, the Holy Spirit, and the way that he weaves things together for good uh, do you think do you think that God has had a plan all along? I think about it. our message is 70 parts to date. the Lord is our confidence. you think maybe just maybe he equipped us with this series before this pandemic hit planet Earth so that we might shine? you think maybe just maybe he equipped us with this series the Lord is our confidence before this pandemic hit planet earth so that we might be given an opportunity to shine i think so in fact i know so because his messages are always perfectly placed and i know that most of you have been blessed with this series and are seeing the very fruit of it play out in time in your soul that's the proof of our faith right may i take this time then to encourage you all the more Go to First Thessalonians four verse one. First Thessalonians four verse one. Again, I just want to encourage you all the more. I know, I know for a fact that uh, uh, so many of you are, are, have been encouraged, and you maybe just didn't put it together that you know that the curriculum came before the pandemic, um, but now you are, and I just want you to be all the more encouraged. First Thessalonians four verse one. Reads, finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. Never rest on your laurels, folks. Never just sit back and go, I've arrived, because you really haven't. Uh, Don't say, that's good enough for me. Don't settle for some weird mediocrity in the spiritual life. Um, that's just arrogant speaking. Um, there's no real time to sit still, per se. Sure, you can sit back and rest and take care of your vineyard, but I hope you know what I'm saying. Again, in verse uh, 1 of Thess- First Thessalonians 4, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you, in the Lord Jesus Christ, that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, he's not contending that they're not doing it, he's saying, do it even more. He's encouraging you. That's what I'm doing. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. In other words, the more you do it, the more you're sanctified. This is goodness for you. Remember, Jesus said, my, my food, my sustenance. What do we do when we eat food? We grow, right? That's the whole idea. That's the analogy. My food, my sustenance, the source of my growth, well, is to do the will of the one who sent me. Can we not attach our minds to that very thing? Did not Jesus Christ Himself grow in grace and knowledge by doing his Father's will? You bet. You bet. Again, the point of the board, now's your time to shine. Make this time to take every thought captive to obey Christ. Make this moment in time amidst the, the pandemic that everybody's you know scurrying around about. And worrying about, take this time, this moment in time. You only go this way once, right? Uh, To take every thought captive to obey Christ. Without being cocky or arrogant, show the world who you are in Christ Jesus. Show the world who you are in Christ Jesus. I'll give you an analogy. Um, For those of you who, you know, maybe are dragging feet a little bit or Five men are randomly selected by Uncle Sam to serve in the U.S. Marine Corps. When asked what kind of soldier they are, each man says, I'm the greatest soldier you have ever laid eyes on. Should the world simply accept their boasting at face value? I mean, should that be what we do? I mean, just because they wear sharp uniforms, does that mean every one of them will live up to their claim in battle? Nope. Here's my point, and please listen up. We've all been enlisted in God's army. This is something that happened at salvation, as most of you know. How will we ever shine as soldiers for Christ if our metal is never put to the test? How will we ever shine as soldiers for Christ if our metal, if our so-called battle-worthiness, is never put to the test. How will the world know who the greatest commanding officer is between Jesus and Satan if their troops never go to battle? The truth is that Jesus Christ reveals his grace and power through his sheep. We are players in this theatron, right, on this stage, and that's why the angels are rubbernecking. The truth is that Jesus Christ reveals his grace and power through his sheep we don't show our strength through jesus by matching those in this world who beat their chests here's what jesus said true power looks like up here in the board matthew 5:5. blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth remember meekness does it never means weakness not in the biblical sense meekness doesn't mean weakness as the spirit taught us not so long ago here's a borrowed principle from about i don't know 20 messages or so in this particular series we're on right now Uh, and it was when we were were, i was teaching about uh love and obedience but this precipitated meekness the, the idea of meekness if in john 14 15 it reads if you love me you will keep my commandments obedience of faith uh that was on the table at the time humility was on the table and meekness they all speak to the same thing, which is submission to the Lordship of Christ. My friends, this is what love looks like even, First John 5, 3. Again, the point, though, is that never mistake meekness for weakness. In fact, based on Holy Scripture, meekness, in other words, submission to the Lord, meekness is where we find our resolve in times of crisis. In other words, if you want to be powerful, you want to be a powerful a testimony to the world. If you want to shine that light, be meek, submit. This is where we find our resolve in times of crisis. So let me just put this together for us. Then concentrate. If our if our confidence, our resolve, our strength, all increase as a result of being meek in the Lord, then what type of light? should we be shining in this world at this time? Again, if our confidence, our resolve, our strength, all increase as a result of being meek in the Lord, what type of light should we be shining in this world at this time? Should we be boasting of our own deliverance or quietly standing firm in the Lord, allowing our lives to be our testimony of what true power looks like? Should we be boasting or should we be quietly standing firm in the Lord, going about our business, accepting things as they are, not saying, you know, the the pandemic. No, I I disagree. It doesn't exist that, you know, people aren't dying. Let's not be idiots. Right. We have to accept what the truth is, but we don't have to panic about it. We can hand it over to to our Lord. So we quietly stand firm in the Lord. That's our testimony. Our lives become our testimony. And that's what true power looks like. That's what confidence looks like. And that's what will make us attractive on behalf of the Lord, whose will is to save everyone. So if we want to maximize the impact of our lives during this time, what should we be doing? Here's a hint. You're doing it right now. If we want to maximize the impact of our lives during this time, especially during this time, uh, this moment in time even, what should we be doing? Well, you're doing it right now. We talked about this uh, last time. The answer is pursue the light itself. Pursue Christ, as we learned about on Sunday. It's the pursuit of Him that matters. Uh, I'll give you Matthew 5, 6 in the Amplified. Blessed, joyful, nourished by God's goodness are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who actively seek right standing with God. They will be completely satisfied, as we noted in the Beatitudes on Sunday. We are blessed when we pursue Christ. I'll give you the uh, English Standard Version of Matthew 5:6, which reads, "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied." So the twofold blessing is that we looked at uh, last time uh, regarding Matthew 5:6 is one we are blessed. As seekers of righteousness, and number two, we are satisfied when we find it. We're blessed as seekers of righteousness. We are satisfied when we find it. Stated elsewhere. Matthew, go to Matthew six thirty three, Matthew six thirty three, Matthew six thirty three, and I should even say in, in part two there on the on the board. I should say that we're satisfied, period, right? Not just when we find it, but so much of the blessing, as, we, uh, as the Spirit brought out uh, on Sunday, is in the pursuit itself. It's not necessarily when you arrive, it's that you're doing the righteous thing. Do you understand? Uh, as we saw at the beginning of this message, that we're walking in Christ. That's our encouragement, that we walk in Him. Uh, that's uh, what sanctification looks like. That's part of our blessing, right? Think about it. If, if, if the only time we ever felt, quote unquote, or received a blessing it was at the end uh, when we arrived somewhere, if we, you know, if there's such a thing, then we'd have no blessings uh, in the interim. Matthew six thirty three again, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. In other words, the emphasis is on the seeking, right? The pursuit. And then you just say, I'm going to send a hand, the rest over to God. Verse 34, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. How many people are anxious about tomorrow? A lot, especially in today, uh, today's day and age. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So just live for today. Seek him now uh, and, and be glad and, and be happy and be satisfied. And as we saw earlier, uh, above all, be thankful. Uh, if we begin seeking to boast in ourselves, we have entered the debilitating realm of arrogance. If we stop seeking righteousness, uh, those blessings that we read about in Matthew 5, 6, they begin to dissipate to whatever degree we start seeking things for our own benefit. Again, if we begin seeking to boast in ourselves, seeking our own, what we would call self-righteousness, we have entered the debilitating realm of arrogance. And when that happens, instead of shining light, we douse it, leaving ourselves exposed along the way. And that is what we could rightly call the folly of arrogance. And the the practical side of this folly is that it leaves you unprotected. Arrogance leaves you unprotected. You want to be protected. You want to be able to be the captor, not the one that's captive. Uh, You have to be humble. Uh, Arrogance, tears that away. arrogance leaves you unprotected so that you become uh, the, the one uh, the, the captive one. It's like having a, a full suit of armor and taking it off in the midst of battle when you need it most. It's just folly. as as soon as we trade in listen, a, a good way to summarize what the spirit's saying is is that as soon as we trade in meekness for arrogance we trade in our strength for weakness. As soon as we trade in meekness for arrogance, we trade in the thing that makes a strong submission to Christ. That's meekness. As soon as we trade in meekness for arrogance, we trade in our strength for weakness. Arrogance makes us weak. It leaves us unprotected. Therefore, go to James 4, verse 10. James 4, verse 10. Again, a nice way to think about this is, is... As soon as we trade in meekness for arrogance, we trade in our strength for weakness. James 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Folks, this exaltation comes in the form of confidence. Again, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. This exaltation comes in the form of confidence. Confidence. This is something he's been teaching us for 70 parts now. Don't miss it. The Spirit's essentially been telling us that confidence in the Lord is something that comes along with sanctification. And sanctification is the result of humility and obedience. What did we just read? Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. You want to be confident in the Lord? You want to be exalted by the Holy One? Be humble. Be obedient arrogance is the destroyer of humility so he's also been pointing out uh, areas of our lives where we are still arrogant Uh, he never lets it lie right Uh, he doesn't just say hey here's the doctrine let's move on he says we have to look at ourselves we have to measure uh, the doctrine against our own lives because it's the doctrine it's the word of God that shines light into darkness So he's also been pointing out areas of our lives where we are still arrogant, where this darkness still exists. Whether or not we choose to admit it isn't the issue. All we have to do, though, the good news is that all we have to do is very simple, is just take a good, honest look at our lives and ask a few, I don't know, questions. My, My job is to prod you, but I cannot give you the motivation to do so. I really wish I could, honestly, but I can't. I can't motivate you, you know, to shine light in the deep recesses of your own soul. It's got to come from you as individuals. So you have to be willing to go through this process. All I can tell you is that God isn't a liar like Satan in the kingdom of darkness are. If Jesus said the truth shall make you free, then we ought to bank on it. Fair enough. If Jesus Christ said the truth shall make you free, in other words, the light, when the light shines into your life and and douses the darkness, uh, and you're delivered. As a result, you're free. You're, you're free from that darkness. You're free from wandering around the dark with insecurities and anxieties and worries and all that stuff that comes to uh, comes to the forefront in times of crisis when the pressure's on. That's when you know what are you made of, right? Where, where do you place your confidence in self? Is it self righteousness? Has that been the pursuit your pursuit your whole life? Is that why you're still stuck? Because Jesus said, "The truth shall make you free." We ought to bank on that. Hence Paul's warning up here on the board, Galatians 5:1, the amplified classic. Uh, in this freedom, Christ has made us free and completely liberated us. Stand fast then and do not be hampered and held ensnared and submit again to a yoke of slavery which you have once put off. You know, in America we grow up with so many privileges that others don't have. It's one of the great Blessings that I've had the opportunity to realize uh, when I had spent my time in the service and then uh, through uh, businesses, just traveled uh, around the world. And then even the, the missionary trip with my eldest son uh, to India, we just, we, in America, we don't even know it until we travel outside of America, the, the, the privileges that we have that others don't have. And because that's all we've known, we, we think we deserve them because that's the norm right because they've always been there this is arrogance at its best according to god a good work for us a good word for us, or for this thing is entitlement uh, so the question on the table was from last time is it possible that you've grown accustomed to your life of privilege have you forgotten that you're not entitled to anything but your needs philippians 419 have you renamed wants as needs have you taking a you know a, a ride on that slippery slope, so to speak? Again, is it possible that you've grown accustomed to your life of privilege? Have you forgotten that you're not entitled to anything but your needs? And one of the great tricks that Americans like to do is we like to rename our wants, our desires, and we like to call them needs and then complain about how our needs are not being met. Um, the proof is in the pudding, as they say, right? So during this time where certain... Liberties have been taken away. What say you of your attitude as compared to, say, Job's after he lost his children and his businesses? Go to Job 121. Job 121. Some of you have lost toilet paper. Some of you lost, what, trips to your favorite restaurant on Friday evening. Some of you have lost, I don't know, what, a vacation? A vacation? Uh, of what? What is it that we complain about in America that's just so incredibly drastic? Um, the proof's in the pudding, right? You might say, I'm not entitled. All right, well, if you lost your children and your businesses and all your income, or what, let's say, uh, your income-generating uh, activities, would you be like Job? Job 1.21, and he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's the attitude that we're after. Um, Do you share it? This is the kind of examination we all need to take upon ourselves. I'll end this message the way I did on Sunday uh, up here on the board. When God says no, when you moan and groan and ask for your old life back and God says no, What do you think or do? When you moan and groan and ask for your old life back and God says no, what do you think and do? Do you seek for truth or devise ways to, you know, circumvent his will for your life? All right, Dad, if you're not going to do it for me, then I'll do it for myself. Um, Or do you humbly submit to your circumstances and say, you know what, Lord, I'm not getting this right now. It's a little uncomfortable right now. Really would like to have more toilet paper. Just saying. <laughs> uh, but you know best. You're trying to show me something. You're trying to grow me. You're trying to uh, stretch me. You're trying to show me how uh, how grateful I need to be because I've become a brat. Uh, do you humbly submit to your circumstances knowing that God knows best? Or do you arrogantly reject uh, them, supposing that you know best? Uh, and, and such folly that is. I hope you agree. Um, I'll leave you with this. Are you meek and strong or arrogant and weak? The proof's in the pudding. Look at your life. Um, I love that God's doing this thing. I love that there's... I, 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 I'm never going to say I love that people are hurting or are sick or ill or even dying. That's not the point. But I love that God has put everything, put the chips on the table. I love that he's put us to the test um, because when the opportunity arises like this and uh, and it does happen uh, and people uh, depend on on the Lord to deliver them and they have faith in him uh, and they, they know, they, they echo what Paul said, you know, uh, his grace is sufficient for us. When we live that, we become a living, breathing testimony. I love that. I love it because it brings glory to God. And so the question is, and I'll leave you with this: Are you meek and strong, or arrogant and weak? And that's the question for you to ponder. And I'll leave you with that. Let's bow our heads. Definitely, Father, thank you so much for this incredible privilege of studying a word. We just know, and we just know that the truth sets us free. Father, thank you for never pulling punches with us, always making it real. Uh, thank you for loving us so much that you spend this time with us. That you have ordained the. Uh, the Word of God. And you've given us of your Spirit and your Son to lead us. Uh, you've given us examples in the Bible, through the Apostles, and most of all, through your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're so grateful for all that you've done for us, Father. We just ask for your blessings as we take the things we've learned uh, into the, back to our own souls, Father, and, and maybe uh, within our families and our households, and then Uh, your will be done, of course, given the opportunity, maybe spread some of this wonderful news outside of the four walls of our homes, Father. We just ask these things in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen.